0: and share our theme together? Here am I, Lord. Send me. And can we pray that? Amen. You may be seated. Some of you might have been here last night, but uh, tonight is another service with us uh, sharing in the, this is actually the 37th, annual DeLong sermon series chapel service and I just want to read just a little bit some of the material uh, is in your program tonight but just to share briefly that the DeLong sermon series is made possible through the Nazarene Bible College and the generosity of the Dr. Russell V. DeLong family in honor of his father Thomas Walter DeLong. Students in this series are nominated by their Christian preaching to professors and invited to participate by submitting a sermon manuscript. All these manuscripts are anonymously evaluated by a committee of the faculty. And for those that are chosen, um, they're sharing last night and tonight. And we have tonight with us, um, Mr. Joshua Hutto. And he is here from Cordova, Alabama. And so could we just give him a warm welcome? I'm going to share just a little bit of information uh, about his life and his family um, before I invite him to come up. His wife, Mandy, is with him. They have a daughter, Jovi, who is almost one year old. And um, just a brief statement about his calling into Christian ministry. It is my belief that God has called me to be a pastor, a pastor who seeks to diligently bring forth the truth of God from his word and teach others how to live in a manner worthy of their calling in Christ. His ministry plans, he says, I am currently serving as youth pastor at Saragossa Church of the Nazarene. It is my prayer that God will open the door to pastoring a church. Joshua, can I ask you to please come forward? I'm just going to read this. This certificate is hereby awarded to Joshua Hutto in recognition of his participation as a preacher in the Delong Sermon Series on this 4th day of May 2011 at Nazarene Bible College, Colorado Springs, Colorado. Congratulations. And we're ready to worship. this time we're ready for our message and I just want to pray for Joshua for just a moment can we just bow Heavenly Father we thank you for this time to be together for this time to celebrate you for this time to be more aware of your holiness thank you that you take us on this journey Lord of revealing more and more to us about who you are Lord we want to thank you for Joshua and Mandy for their lives, for their ministry. And Lord, as he comes to us tonight, I just ask for your special touch upon him, for your anointing. Um, God, thank you for his willingness to serve you, that he has said yes, Lord, to your call. So we commit the service to you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen.
1: Well I want to thank you guys for letting me come up here and to do this. Um, if, you, if you haven't figured it out already, I am not from around here, um, so you'll have to look through my slight, slight accent. Um, but like Miss like Lamb said, me and Mandy, we are from the state of Alabama. And just like someone shouted earlier, when you yell real tight at me, I do have to yell it back. It is state law. Um, at least where I'm from. At least where I'm from. But anyway, but uh, we're going to talk about holiness a little bit tonight, and um, when I first became a Christian, the call to be holy was something that I struggled with, mainly because I didn't understand what it meant. Many, many preachers, I, I grew up in the Southern Baptist, um, and the thundering, thundering, thundering from the pulpit of, be holy, be holy, be holy was something that was constantly heard in my mind and in my family. But understanding what it means to be holy was something that that they didn't talk about very much. And that's something that I think that, that we lack in the church today is we tell people to be holy, but we don't do such a good job of telling them what it means to be holy and how you go about being holy. So we're going to take a look tonight at 1 Peter chapter 1, and we're just going to focus in on two verses on 15 and 16, but I'm going to start reading in verse 13. If you would stand with me this evening. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. So think clearly and exercise self-control. Look forward to the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do. Just as God who chose you is holy, for the scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy. Father, we thank you for this this opportunity to be in your house tonight, Lord. And I would just pray, Father, that you would just take this message tonight, Lord God, that you would mend it, that you would form it to your will tonight, Lord. May it manifest in our hearts and our souls, Lord, and may you use it to teach us all tonight, Father, what it means to be holy and what it means to live in a relationship with you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. And trying to figure out what it means to be holy, we have to understand what the word means. Now, Peter uses a Greek term called "hagios," and yes, I realize that I probably butchered that word, um, and you're going to get that a lot from me tonight because there's probably going to—I'm probably going to invent some things that you haven't heard before. But "hagios" was a term that Peter uses, and it talks about being being separated, to be set apart, to be called apart. In fact, it has also another meaning that means morally pure or blameless. But if we want to understand what Peter is talking about, we first have to re- Understand what he's referencing because this is not something new to Peter. He had heard this in his life before in Leviticus chapter 19 verses 1 through 1 and 2 God tells Moses tell the assembly tell the people of Israel that I am holy and they too are to be holy. It wasn't advice. It wasn't just if you find time be holy. It was a direct command. I'm holy. You're going to be holy. But what does that term holy mean? If you look in the Old Testament it translates in Hebrew into a term called Kodesh. What that means is, is set apart, to be separate. But how are you and I, how are we set apart? How do we become separate? Dr. William Greathouse talks about there are three characteristics, three meanings of the term kodesh in the Old Testament. That it can mean separation, that it can mean glory, and then it can be talked about in terms of purity. And we're going to talk about that real quick tonight. As in separation, you and I must understand that as God's children, Just as humanity on this earth, we are not on an equal playing field with God. God is God. We are His creation. We are not God, and we do not have the quality of God. Now, what does that mean? There is a great misunderstanding and a great delusion that we have been given through temptation of self-sovereignty. In other words, we can judge for ourselves. We can make the decision for ourselves. We can go where we want, do what we want, say what we want. That is not true. It comes from the Garden of Eden. In the very beginning, when the serpent came and he tempted Adam and Eve, and he said, if you eat from the tree, God doesn't want you to do that because he will, you will be like him. You will be self-sovereign. You will be able to do as he does and think as he does. But that's simply not true. What we need to understand is being separate means that we are not of this world. God is not of this world, and if we are going to be holy, if we're going to be separated, it's much more than being separate from the flesh, from the world. It's more about being separate to God and being in right relationship with God and being in close close proximity to Him. Not so much from the things of this world, but to Him. Dr. Greathouse also talks about glory in the form of kodesh or holiness in the Old Testament. But when we think about glory, it talks about, in Exodus, there at the tabernacle, at the sanctuary, that God's presence would come, that it would reside in the sanctuary, in the tabernacle, and that it would sanctify the tabernacle when the Spirit came. What that means is that in God's glory, the invisible was made manifest in the visible in the temple there at the tabernacle. Now what does that mean for us? When Christ came, the invisible became visible in Jesus Christ. When he walked upon this earth, God poured it out in the incarnation of Jesus Christ. He poured himself out in his glory, poured it out upon earth. And it walked, it talked, it breathed, it taught us how to live. And because of that, and because of the ransom that he gave, we can be the manifestation of the invisible in this world. Now, they taught that I was from Cordova, Alabama. If you've been watching Fox News, if you've been watching MSNBC, anything like that, you've seen that tornadoes have ravaged many of the southeast, including the state of Alabama in particular. The community where Mandy and I live does not exist anymore. Cordova was wiped almost completely off the map on Wednesday. The downtown area is not there anymore. It's a small little community. It's not there. Our home was, thank God, was untouched. We live just outside of it. But when we talk about the manifestation of the invisible to be made visible in this world, being the hands and feet of God, I've seen it these past few weeks. Where we live on the main road going into that community, the town structure may not exist, but the community is alive in it as well. Mainly because of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Because there are people who are being the hands and feet of a holy God, being a holy people, going to them. Church van after church van after church van, passing by our home, and not just ours, but going into different communities like Tuscaloosa, like Coleman, where these large F4, F5 tornadoes have destroyed them and wreaked havoc. But the people of God reaching their hands out and being the hands and feet of Christ being the manifestation of His glory upon this earth. You and I have the ability to do that. But not only do we have the ability to be separated and to glorify God, but we also can be pure. Now, purity, and we walk a fine line with that. Number one reason is, is we tend to get a little bit too legalistic in our understanding. If you look at it in the priestly way in the Old Testament, to be pure meant that you were that something that was taken that was unclean was ceremonially washed and it was made pure so that it could be set aside for divine use. And in in, the, in this form of a person, if you were going to come before God, you had to be clean. You had to be ceremonially clean and it could be very easy to be ritualistic and to put away the spiritual side of things and to become legalistic. Did you know that it's in our human nature to be religiously legalistic. Do you know why? Legalism builds the ego. It's a lot easier to sit around and talk about what I've done. I've paid this in tithe. I've done this. I've read the Bible this much this week. I've went here. I've done this. And we inflate the ego so much that it's not about God anymore. It's about me. And the spiritual side of life has been pushed away and it has become a, a list of do's and don'ts and things that I can get do and things that I can accomplish. And b- before you know it, what I was doing to be pure, I'm not pure anymore. I've been deceived. And I thought that I was. But we can be pure by keeping a relationship with God, with Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit. That's how you stay pure. He... And he alone will lead, guide, direct our lives to tell us where it is that we can go, what it is that we can do, what it is that we can say, and how we are to live. You see, I used to think that when I became saved, that I had to be perfect. Do you know how hard a burden that is to carry? to believe that I have to be perfect in everything that I do and everywhere that I go. I have to say the right things. I have to do the right things. I can't get on anybody's bad side. I can't do anything that could be suggestive, that something is out of place. Basically, you have to go into your room and lock yourself up and not create, go into the world to have that type of viewpoint, to be that perfect. But we place that burden on people. I've placed it on people. We will hold people to a to a level, a standard of living that we will not hold ourselves to, but we will hold people to a standard of perfection. And when they fail, we cast them aside. That's not what holiness is. When we look at the life that we have been called to live, it is to be a life that is molded into the image of Christ in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And we throw the word out, relationship, and what does that mean, and how do I effectively have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Let me tell you something. If you're here tonight and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you know it. And you know whether or not you have a strong one or not. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then you talk to Him through prayer, you listen to Him through His Word, and you are His hands and feet in this world by going out and doing what he's called you to do. Not because you have to do it. You don't go through life and say, well, I love you because the Bible says I do and I'm going to go to hell if I don't do it. That's not holiness. That's not love. That's not being molded into the image of Christ. It means I love you because I love you. Plain and simple. The mercy, the compassion of God poured out manifested in my life means that I love other people no matter how crazy they act, no matter how silly they act, no matter how much they may defame you or talk negatively about you or try to beat you down and try to take something from you. The call of Christ is to turn the other cheek and represent love in the form of our lives. No matter what. You see, where I'm from, sometimes people want to say, well, I don't really like that part of the Bible, so I really won't listen to that part. I'll just stick to what I do like to hear. There's a lot of that that goes around all over the country. We have a a want to type of religion. I want to do that. I like to hear that. But that part that I don't like to hear about so much, well, let's push that away. But God wants you and I to be molded into His image. Just like clay. So what does that mean? You start from nothing, and He starts to build on you. And He can only do that through that relationship, where we keep in constant contact with Him. You know, the community of faith is one of the most amazing things that I have ever witnessed in my life. To sit and be a part of a community of faith. And by that, I simply mean a church family. You know, there are a lot of people that say, well, I can read, and I can read the Bible, and I can pray, and I can stay at home, and I'll be just fine. Yeah, you may, but I really don't want to take that risk. You see, we were created for relationship. Relationship with God, relationship with one another, formed to be together, to work together, to be the body of Christ. And growing in a holy relationship means being with one another and learning from one another. You know, there were times in my life I remember one of the most important discussions I ever had with a teenager was when his parents were going through a divorce. And he came to me and he said, Josh, it's all my fault. I've done, my parents, if I would have done this, they would stay together. If I would do this, they would stay together. I've been in that situation. I know when my parents got a divorce, the first thing I could do was blame myself and think, well, what could I have done? What could I have done? What could I have done differently? All this other stuff. And when he came to me, and I had the opportunity to look him in the eye and say, don't let yourself be fooled by that. Do you think anybody else would have been able to reach you? He would have come to that understanding without someone coming to him and saying, no, let's put you back on the right path. Do you know how many people go through life and they struggle, but yet they don't go to anyone seeking direction? Most importantly, they don't go to God-seeking direction, but they don't go to people and ask them. They don't go to their church family and say, what can I do to better this? If you're created for holiness, if you're created in a relationship, if you're created to process and love being molded into the image of Christ, then the most important thing that we should do is love one another just as Jesus loved us. And to reach out our hand to those who are hurting. Not just in the physical sense, but in a spiritual and emotional sense. Have you ever been around that person and you know that there's something going on with them just by the way that they act? Something's off? You know, if you have a relationship with someone, you know when they're down, you know when they're out. You don't think God doesn't call us to reach out to one another? I do. We're supposed to be separated unto God, but the holiness that we have should be something that is contagious. You know, Dr. George Lyon talks about holiness as being a contagiousness, a fire that breathes out, that touches one another's lives so that it moves from one to the other, something that is contagious, something more, um, something more contagious than a deadly disease, something that moves in people's lives. Now, that's a fantastic way to think about how we live our lives. It's also very scary to sit here and to think, well, whoa, wait a minute, I don't have that type of life. My life's not separated. I'm not separate to God. I don't have that type of relationship. I don't glory in Christ. He doesn't, he's not manifested in my life out into this world so that, they, so that the people that I come into contact with cannot see the invisible God in my life. And for all means, I'm not pure. You know, we fool ourselves when we think we are. But just as Isaiah said when he knelt before him and he said, I see my uncleanness within me. I am wretched just as Job did. And just like with Isaiah, the angel came and brought the coal to his lips and cleaned him. And he was in a, a position to say, as it said on here, send me, Lord. You now, God needs people to send into this world. He needs holy people. And by that, I don't mean legalistic holy people. I mean holy people separated from the world who God is glorified in their lives and that they are pure in their relationship with Jesus Christ living for God you see none of us here there is no object there is no person that inherently is holy our holiness is completely dependent and derived from God Comes from nothing else and that's what the relationship is for that's where we get it praise God Um, I want to to close you guys with this thought. The best way that I learn is to ask myself questions. And that's to ask myself questions about my own life. It's easy to point the finger and say, well, what about her? What about him? What about them? What are they doing? But we have to go inward. Because it's easy to look at everybody else. It's not so easy to look right here. So what I would ask you, in your heart and in your mind, you know, in the worship class that, that I've taken here online at Nazarene Bible College, we talked about worshiping in silence, which was something new for me, something completely new. So we're going to try it right now. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you to bow your head and I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And I'm going to ask this question. And you get to sit quietly and you get to reflect. And we all get to reflect on it because I'm going to do it too. And here's that question. Are you separate? Are you called apart? Not so much called away, but are you called to God? Is He calling you to Him? Not just a general call, but is He calling you where you have that burning desire in your heart that there's got to be more? There is more than this. Is that call there? Does your life, is it the manifestation of God's glory? And are you pure? not so much in legalism, not so much in religiousness, but are you pure in heart, walking as Abraham walked with God? Are you walking in relationship with Jesus Christ toward a goal? And not just sitting still. As we sit silently as we ask ourselves those questions, Father, we thank you so much for your word. Father, you don't come to us just as you did before where you came and you spoke audibly to prophets and you spoke audibly to kings and such, Father, but you come to us in your word. Lord God, you've laid everything before us, Father, and the power that is your Holy Spirit, Lord, as it searches our hearts, as it searches our minds, and searches our souls. And everything that we do and everywhere that we go, Lord, I would just pray, Father, for our hearts to be separate. Separated to you, Father. Focused on being your glory. And being your pure, refined image. So that when we go forth into this world, Father, we not go because we have to. But we go because we love to. That we love to be your people. That we love to produce in those around us the mercy and the compassion that you've showed us. As it says in the book of Jude, Father, we do not want anyone to fall into the fire. That it is our duty to snatch them from the fire. And Lord God, it is our duty just to hate. We can hate the sin, we can hate the garment, but not the individual that it makes up. Father, I would just pray for holy hearts tonight, holy minds, as we go forward into your world. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys.
2: Thank you. did not you appreciate Josh and sharing tonight? Uh, You know, you did an outstanding job tonight, Josh, and this is not easy to to, uh, come into a community that you haven't (laughs) worshipped with, maybe online a few times (laughs) through the videos or stuff, but uh, we want you to know that that you're you're a big part of us. And and we're thankful for the call that God has placed on your heart and on your life, and that you are preparing for that call. And I I can tell you, uh, folks, I've got family that lives in Alabama, and um, there is just absolutely no way to adequately describe the devastation of that state. And uh, it would have been easy for Josh and Mandy to say, well, we we need to stay at home. But I appreciate their commitment to coming and and being with us. And Josh, I want to thank you tonight. And we want to pray, before we go tonight, we want to pray for uh, the folks in Alabama and Mississippi and Tennessee and... uh, and now the horrible flooding that's taking place. Uh, talk to my aunt who lives in Memphis and of course the, the river's rising and, and uh, it's, it's, a, it's just a horrible, horrible situation and, and her, her daughter-in-law has family that lives upriver. And uh farm in Missouri, Ron, you and farm in that Missouri area and they blew those levees out to save the cities and now it's the farmers are losing everything. And uh, we get we get upset a little bit with cold weather and a little bit of snow on Easter. <laughs> but we have folks suffering around our country today. And um uh, I, I really want us to pray for our family members and in these areas that, that God, God would come. I heard that how many people are missing in Alabama? They can't find
1: them? There are, the last time I saw there was over 150 that are just still missing. You have to understand that I think it was, I was uh, I'm actually going through the holiness class and Dr. Pointer is uh, my professor and we were, um, I was trying to explain to him what was going on, and I said, it's the weirdest thing. It almost seems strategic, the way that these things landed. I mean, if you're talking about, and I know you guys don't know these areas, but Tuscaloosa is where the University of Alabama is. It's one of the largest cities in the state. It went right through downtown. It went through a city area. Coleman, fifth, sixth largest city in the state, went right through the downtown area. It was like a lot of these things, when they hit, they went right through downtown urban areas. The area in Birmingham that it hit, I preached um, Sunday morning at a place in Rainbow City, and we drove through a place called Pratt City, which is north of Birmingham. And I mean, for me, I drive to Birmingham every day, and if you guys are like me, that you're, you go on a specific route every day, and you get on autopilot, and you're just mowing through your day, and you're just mowing through your drive, and you go, oh, that's nice, that's nice, Whoa. Something's not right here. When you go from an urban area that is completely leveled, where it used to be trees, there's an area, we were talking about it, you couldn't, I didn't even know there were houses back there. And now there really aren't any, because they've been leveled. And the tree line is completely gone. I mean, it's, I mean, in the area that it hit in Tuscaloosa, it hit very near the university and went down 15th street, which is where a lot of student housing is in the apartment buildings. And there were people tossed and thrown in these apartments. I deal with teenagers every day. I deal uh, on a daily basis. I deal with college students. I mean, I'm talking about 18, 19, 20 year old college students. They ain't afraid of any tornado. They didn't think anything about it until it was on top of them, and then it was too late. Yeah. And then you get in these urban, these rural areas like Cordova, where we live. A tornado hit at what 5:30 that morning. Hit downtown. The 3.30 one that come through, same path. What the first one missed, the second one took out. I mean, it's just sheer devastation.
2: Well, it is It is something that we need to pray about tonight and we want to pray about. And uh, I want to just have us all to stand and, and let's pray to, together. Heavenly Father, tonight we thank you for Josh and Mandy and that they have come to be with us and no doubt they are carrying a heavy burden for family members and friends in their state in their community, in their county. And we ask tonight Lord that you would be with all of those folks. My heart hurts tonight, not only for those who have lost their lives, but for the missing and all that goes along with that, Father. I pray tonight that your grace would be sufficient in this great hour of need, Lord. I pray for the churches and all of the groups that have come in to help that you would uh, that you would give them strength beyond themselves we pray for um, the folks along the Mississippi um, I think of that farmer tonight Lord I lost everything today. I pray for that man, Father. And so many others that in this day just need a word from you, Father. A word of your grace and love. And we ask that you would go to them. I pray that you would be with Josh and Mandy as they return home. And... and, uh, As they minister, may you empower them and may they truly be your hands, Heavenly Father, your feet and your voice to those in these hours. And we thank you again for this college and for all of the called ones. We thank you and praise you tonight. Bless us as we go. This we pray in the name of Jesus, Amen, Amen. God bless you. Thank you, Josh. Are you going? Are you going? When they reschedule it, will you?